Church family, great, great. Actually, I felt really at home here this morning, Tim. Thank you very much for your bare feet. I might go there yet. I became known as the barefoot preacher in Kununurra because uh, it was always too hot to wear shoes. And it reminded me of the very, very relaxed atmosphere of um, Kununurra. Um, Psalm 8 um, reminded me of a very critical experience that I had in my life. So I'm going to share that before we talk about mission again. Um, It was February 1969. I was working in um, Port Lincoln, part of my training as an agricultural scientist, working on a pole Hereford stud. And um, there were some early rains in February, really good rains, and the farmer wanted to go out and and plough up about 40 acres of land to put in some oats to feed his cattle. And he said, do you mind going out and doing it? And I'd done a little bit of work. I said, I've only ploughed a little bit. He said, you'll be right off. You go out, you go. And it was beautiful weather and I had the uh, overnight shift which was really cold in February in Port Lincoln and no cabins on tractors or anything like that back in 1969 and um, I remember at one stage just the, the smell of the freshly turned earth just wafting over me and the blue sky above me that I decided to shut the tractor down turn off all the lights and go pitch black and then I laid back on the turned over turned over earth and looked up at this incredible sky and as I lay there I became overwhelmed by the fact that I was even less than a pinprick on this earth and I just lay there and wondering where is this going and then I heard this whisper you're crowned with glory and honour. You're looking up at all that, but I'm looking down on you and you are worth everything. You're crowned with glory and honour. I thank God for an experience like that. I was a follower of Jesus, but pretty weak and feeble. And that certainly uh, contributed to my journey. Uh, Just amazing, unexpected, the overwhelming love of God we've just been singing about. Uh, Just a brief recap on the last three weeks on mission. Um, What are we talking about? What are we talking about? I can't hear you. Crikey, when I see you at the football, you shout like mad, go on Geelong, come on. Oh, sorry. We are all missionaries and we are filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit for this mission. Jesus said to those frightened disciples gathered in the upper room after his resurrection, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. We Uh, all missionaries and remember I said in that context it's too easy for the church to become a club that exists for the benefit of its members instead of a life-saving station now sure we're here to support each other but that's only as we act as a life-saving station 
And then we talked about the fact that we are in the world. We are actually in the world as salt, light and yeast, so that the world may see our good deeds and praise our Father in heaven. And we've heard a little story of that this morning from Kent Street High School. And last week we noted that people are really important to God. They really matter to him. And we saw that the way Jesus lived his life and told stories, it tells us that we have never ever locked eyes with another human being who isn't valuable to God. And we talked about receiving the greatest good news possible in Jesus Christ, overwhelmed by a God who chases us. He'll kick brick walls down to get to us. We just sang about it. And I ask the question, are we hoarders of that good news or are we sharers of that good news? The question I have before us this morning is, in a very practical vein, is how do we reach the 70% plus of Australians who are unlikely to ever, ever attend any church program no matter how good it is, how do we reach them? They're not coming to us. I've got some really good news for you this morning. Really simple news. All the research I can read, all the experiences of people I can read, all my own experiences point to one overwhelming fact. People who are outside of the church, people who don't know Jesus, who are far from Jesus, come to faith in Christ and find their way in churches primarily through friendship. All you need to remember this morning, friendship. Their friendship with believers. It's pretty simple. You thought this was going to be up for something complex and high-powered. Friendship. They come across the bridge of relationship. It is the most effective tool for mission and evangelism. Genuine friendship building. Believers with those who are far from Christ. Friendship. See, the images of us being salt and light imply that we're in a close connection with people who are far from God. That's the only way those things work. Salt rubbing up against stuff and light out there. We are in close proximity to people. So what we have to do, and this is a must, I don't usually do this, we must hang out with people who do not know Jesus. That's it, simple. We've just got to spend time with them. It might be for a lifetime. It might be for a season. We do it like Jesus. We form friendships. So who are you hanging out with at the moment? Is there anyone in your circle of friends who's far from Jesus? When Sharon and I arrived in uh, Mount Gambia to pastor there years ago, we set about getting to know our neighbours and we also joined the Night Owls Lawn Bowls Club. We'd never played that. It ran during the summer. And then the Prostate Cancer Support Group. And it was all about us finding spaces where we could hang out with people who were far from Jesus. It was intentional. And we've made some enduring friendships through that. And more than that, we've had some incredible spiritual conversations with people as they're moving towards Jesus. If you don't have people who are far from Christ to hang out with, 
then I suggest you look where your neighbours are or you look at a community group. Talk. Maybe you can be part of the, breast, <laughs> the, the breakfast club at Kent Street. There are other spaces where we can just hang out with people, forming a friendship. So all I'm asking you to do, form a friendship. I'm not asking you to take your black King James Bible along with you and as soon as you see them, I open it up and say, did you know you're a dirty, rotten sinner, you need to repent? I did not say that. I said form a friendship. You see, you and I can't be contagious Christians without getting close enough to, to other people to let them catch the disease. That's true. And I've discovered that when unchurched people wrestle with faith, it normally takes some time for them. It's a real process. It's a journey. It's often a long struggle that can go on over a number of years. But you hang in there with your friendship and journey with them. You see, we're so used to someone who's come out of our church families and going, yeah, I can name the date when I came down the front and gave my life to Jesus. It doesn't happen that way with those who aren't believers. They've got a long journey, often, to come to that space. And do you know that the stats show that more than 50% of Christians with an unchurched background report coming to faith in the midst of a significant transition or crisis. So if we're walking with them when they're in this significant transition or crisis, what happens? Most often it's a family-related thing, either transitioning into parenthood or coping with a marriage crisis. Other times the crisis may relate to addiction, illness, death, finances, even world catastrophes. The number of conversations I've had when there's been world catastrophes is amazing. The transition may be into a new relationship, a new community or a new career. These circumstances often are the open window of opportunity for the gospel to take root. And all this means that it's important that we are paying attention to the person's life that we are building a friendship with, that we are paying attention to what's going on in their life. I reckon it would be good for every one of us to do a listening skills course because we're not actually good listeners as Aussies. So that we learn how to actually really listen to what's going on in a person's life and tease some more stuff out. Ask the question... Simply sometimes, can you tell me a bit more about that? If they don't want to, they won't. But if they do, on you go. You keep having this journey with them. We want to be sensitive to what's happening in their world, not what our world is. We want to know them. We want to be then ready to share our own journey, which we'll get to in a moment, our journey with Jesus, and to share the Jesus story when the window opens. Someone who's been closed to faith for their entire life, as I've said, may become inexplicably receptive when circumstances change. When a heart opens, even the tiniest seed can take the deepest root and the simplest relationship can make the biggest difference. Now, real friendship we know takes time and patience and perseverance and so on and so on. We're called fishers of men. And they f did it with nets in Jesus' day. 
you can remember some stories where the disciples have been out fishing all night and they came in with nothing. Apply that to our friendship circles. We're just being friends. If we um, go out and just single line fishing like we do in Aussie, I'll tell you what, about 99.999% of my casts bring in zip. I go home hungry when I go fishing. Sharon has to prepare a meal out of something else. And then there's the one that got away. You thought you had them on. See, what about the biblical image of farming? The seed is dropped into dark soil. Not all of it sprouts and survives drought and flood to produce grain, but some does. And often it's the circumstances that open up for the seed to be dropped into. Now, I need to say here really careful, we have to be very careful when we're building relationships of friendship that we don't approach it with, I've got a scalp coming up can put a notch on my belt and say here's another one coming into the kingdom because whoever you're doing that to will smell it a mile off and they'll walk. That's not a genuine friendship. That's a friendship with something attached. It's a genuine friendship. Why? Why? So that as I've said before, people can get a real picture of who Jesus is because you are the picture of Jesus wandering around in this friendship. You are. I know that's scary. There's a mob called McCrindle. I haven't looked up their background completely, but have taken out all sorts of stats in Australia. They're an Australian group researching the church in its space in the world and so on. Uh, results published in 2017, easy to find on the web, McCrindle 2017. This is what they said. The greatest attraction, this is, this is really amazing because I think we forget this. The greatest attraction to investigating spirituality and religion is seeing people who live out a genuine faith. Now can you believe that? That's Aussies. 60, nearly two-thirds of Aussies in 2.17 said they are attracted by genuine faith. Those Aussies who are far from Jesus said they're attracted to genuine faith. <laughs> Who's going to see your genuine faith when you're building a relationship? Two-thirds of them are attracted. doesn't say they're going to come to faith, but they are attracted to genuine faith. This is so hopeful as we are sent into the world as missionaries. Living a genuine faith is attractive to a lot of Aussies. Peter, writing to a group of Christians who were scattered for their faith, being persecuted and suffering, in amongst all he said, he said this, in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord. And then he goes on and says, which we'll get to in a minute, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Do this with gentleness and respect. 1 Peter 3.15, keep it, 1 Peter 3.15. In your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. In the message it says this, through thick and thin, so whatever's going on in your life, keep your heart at attention in adoration before Christ your master. Don't lose Jesus because he's breaking walls down to get to you. Set apart Christ in your hearts. And in the old King, Kingy James Version it says, sanctify or make holy. 
the Lord God in your heart. Now, this is to a mob of people being persecuted for their faith. Keep Jesus boiling over in your heart. To be holy is to set apart ourselves for God, to live a life dedicated to his ways. It is a positive thing. Unfortunately, the church has massacred this word holy and turned it into dourness and sourness and legalism and all those kinds of things. Jesus is called holy. Was he that? We need to look at Jesus to get a picture of holiness. People want to see and need to see that genuine faith in our lives. Our care, our compassion, our character, our love, our patience, our hope, our goodness, our kindness. Our, can I go on and on and on? Jesus. They will be drawn to authentic Christian living, not perfection and certainly not to arrogance and judgmentalism. They see enough of that. Joe Aldrich, writing years ago, said, Christians are to be good news before they share the good news of Jesus. We're to be good news before we share the good news of Jesus. Can I say this, that mission is really a huge problem in churches and amongst believers where the moral and ethical behaviour of Christians is poor. It's unattractive to the outsider. Where relationships abound. How much more the gospel is, is commended when Christians are modelling a lifestyle that has genuine authenticity to it. Can I say that has the aroma of Jesus about it, that smells of Jesus? Someone said, holy love is the magnet that draws people into the kingdom. That's why we build friendships, so holy love is close to those far from Jesus. We are called to a holy life as an expression of Christian mission. I am, as I was preparing this, I became more and more convinced that we need to increase the awareness that the way we live our lives in front of others is often the only picture of Christianity they will ever, ever see. The only picture of Christianity that your neighbour who is far from Christ may ever see is you. The only person you play basketball with. One of the things that I carry with me into my basketball thing and people realised that I was more than competitive as a basketballer, believe me. I laid down my life to make a basketball win. That's how I come, had to come and have two knees reconstructed doing more than I should have on a basketball court. But I learnt that how I did it was really, really important. It was one of the places I loved just living out a genuine faith on the basketball court, coaching teams of blokes who didn't know who Jesus was. That was what I used to love doing and helping them find Jesus through those interactions. I'm convinced we need to understand that we're the only ones who will give a picture of Christianity to others. Our lifestyles really do count. Mission is about the way we conduct ourselves in the workplace, at home, at sport, living out a life of discipleship, the character of Christ and his values. Mahatma Gandhi, the great Indian, said, My life is my message. My life is my... Paul said... You are my letters of recommendation. 
people are going to read you and find Jesus. My life is my message. And this statement, and I think I put this one in the fob. I don't know who made it. I just found it in my notes this week. The best hermeneutic. Now, that's a big word. Actually, <laughs> should get you to explain it to us. No, it simply means interpretation. The best hermeneutic of the gospel, the best explanation, the best interpretation of the gospel is a community of Christians living it out doesn't say anything about words just says about living out a genuine faith is the best interpretation the best explanation of the gospel let me push it a little more in Matthew 5 and verse 14 when we're talking about salt and light you are the salt of the earth you are the light of the world let your light shine before men so that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. We're very quick to rush to words as evangelicals. And we should get to words. But they'll see your good deeds. They'll see your good deeds providing breakfast. See your warm welcome. Know that there's some loving hands have prepared that back here. And then they'll start asking. And we'll find them where they can hear the gospel. Hard? No. Good deeds are us shining our lights. Peter again, who heard those words, must have remembered that because in 1 Peter 2.11, he said this, Dear friends, this is his friends in persecution, suffering from their faith. He says, Dear friends, I urge you, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. It's pretty clear, isn't it? God has formed for himself a people that we might make a name for him, that we might spread his reputation, that we might increase his fame and promote his glory by living a good life and doing good deeds. Back to McCrindle's research in 2.17. For those who are far away from Christ, who had at least one Christian that they knew, the top words used to describe Christians are these. Caring by 41%. Loving by 35%. Kind by 35%. What's that tell us? People see our deeds. And look how we're described. I am simply trying to remind us here this morning of the power of living good lives and doing good deeds 24-7. Not just here, but 24-7. Of shining our lights in the darkness of this world. There's a harvest out there and that's when God gets made famous. Just the living of our lives really counts where we live, work and play. It is so much more about the walk than the talk. Now, let me remind you again, doing a good deed for someone doesn't need to be a hook for evangelism. I'm going to come over and mow this dear old lady's lawn. She's an old lady. She doesn't know. I'm going to mow it so I can go out there and bait my hook and go, got her. I do a good deed because I do a good deed. 
It's not a technique for church growth. Though that's how I see it used a lot, unfortunately. People see these motives really quickly. We simply do good for people because why? We said last week they matter to God. That's why we do good. And God asks us to. We then do good works with integrity just because the other person is made in the image of God as we are. I wonder if we've forgotten the power of good deeds as we let our light shine before others. Let us exhibit these winsome and beautiful deeds of compassion and love so that people see the light in the darkness and give glory to God. As St. Francis of Assisi said, preach the gospel, use words if necessary. (laughs) Preach the gospel. I'm hammering this. Because as evangelicals, we put our words first. And I think we've got to turn this on its head as we build friendship. Preach the gospel, use words. Now we come to the words bit. Peter said, set Christ apart in your hearts. And then he says, 1 Peter 3.15, but in your, in your heart set Christ apart as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Why, if you're able to, why are you serving meat breakfast in this school? Now, I know there's things you've got to be careful of. We used to run a, in the Mount Gambier church, in fact, in the Alice Springs church as well, but Mount Gambier, free coffee and, and a biscuit in the Royal Agricultural Show, big thing in Mount Gambier in a rural area. We set up a really big marquee so people could get out of what was usually wet, drizzly weather, sit down somewhere comfortable and have a cup of coffee. And we would just move around amongst them. And we would get questions all the time. Why are you doing this? We just did something that they appreciated, particularly the older ones who've had somewhere to sit after walking for hours. Why do you do this? And the simple answer was, we love you because God loves us. Our neighbours who went into the tent one day actually grabbed us over the fence. We were very friendly with these neighbours in Alice, an older couple who were far from Christ. And they said, that's an amazing thing you do down there at the show. We came in there so tired and worn out, nowhere to sit, gave us somewhere to sit and someone just came and sat and listened to us talk. So then they lean over the fence and say, hey, great thing your church does. I know you've got a boss upstairs and I know he tells you to do that, but we've been on the end of it and we love it. Thanks. Always be prepared to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect and I think it should be repeated do it with gentleness and respect do it with gentleness I don't know about you but kind of some of the debating that went on between Christians and others over the whole same sex marriage there was a lot of shrill Christian stuff going on that was condemnatory wasn't done with gentleness and respect And that's one of the key things McCrindle's research says people react to and step back from the faith. 
We have a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, said Peter. And if we build relationships with people, live a life set apart to God and practice winsome and beautiful good deeds, we will be asked, I tell you, we will be asked about our living hope in Jesus. My experience tells me that. We do not have to manipulate conversations so that we can speak about our hope in Jesus. Always be prepared to give an answer. You can talk about what Jesus is doing in your life now, can't you? That's all you have to be able to do. You could give three or four sentences about who Jesus is and why he died, can't you? That's what this is about. It's not a theological treatise, it's how Jesus works in you. People love to hear stories. D.T. Nile said this, it's one, I just love this, I read this I don't know how many years ago, it's one beggar, evangelism and mission, it's one beggar telling another beggar where to get bread. I'm a beggar, I've got bread, we sung about it. And when I give an answer, I say here's the bread I know about. It's pretty simple isn't it? It's pretty simple. Imagine that's what we did together as a church. And as we moved away from here this morning, that's all we did when someone says, hey, I've noticed these good things you're doing. Why? Oh, Jesus loves me and I know that. I've been going through this issue and I've just found peace going through this issue. That's it. Just shut up and let them go. Really? So doing mission is about now talking the walk. Having walked the talk first, we now talk the walk, gently and respectfully. The words explain the deeds and the deeds validate the words. Walking the talk and talking the walk go hand in hand. Just a story that I read just a few weeks ago. Warren Wearsby, been a fairly prolific person in the United States of America, preacher, and he tells this, what I call a powerful little story. It's set in the summer of 1805, and a number of Indian chiefs and warriors have met in council at Buffalo Creek, New York, to hear a presentation of the Christian message by a Mr. Cram from the Boston Mission Society. After the sermon, Red Jacket, one of the leading chiefs, gave a response. Among other things, the chief said, Brother, we are told that you've been preaching to the white people in this place. These people are our neighbours. We are acquainted with them. We will wait a little while and see what effect your preaching has upon them. If we find it does them good, makes them honest and less disposed to cheat us Indians, we will then consider again what you have said. Boom, boom. Boom, boom. Pause. Ponder. We're on hold. I don't know what's going in your hearts right now. 
maybe it's all been simplified for you this morning. Maybe you're saying, I can do a friendship. Then look at your neighbours. Just start building genuine friendships casually. Find a space. Your workplace, that's a little harder. Where you play sport, that's where I've found it easy. Really easy to live the life of Jesus. Oh, not when the refs gave the wrong call, but, you know. I send you out, no song today, send you out with these words from Paul writing the church at Philippi, a church just like us in some ways. And in Philippians 2.14, and I'm reading from the message, he says this, and I, I would use this as a benediction nearly every week. Go out into the world uncorrupted. A breath of fresh air. A holy life. In this squalid and polluted society. Provide people with a glimpse of good living and of the living God. They're together there. Carry the light-giving message into the night. And thank you, Father, that as we go from here today, we go with your love just being poured out upon us, absolutely extravagantly poured over us. We go out knowing we have a saviour and a friend in Jesus, we thank you. And we know that we go with the Holy Spirit of mission living deep within us. We thank you. Bless our weeks, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Stay, have a chat, encourage each other, have a coffee, a water, whatever.